Um, it's been a while since we have been together here on 8 a.m. Eastern Time on these weekday mornings. Took a little hiatus after our walk through um, Matthew and what did we do before that? Acts. Anyway, we are in a new season and thought it'd be a great opportunity for, for me just to kind of orient you this morning to where we're going and what's going to be happening here in this devotional slot for this next season. We are going to be walking through uh, the book of Revelation. And I'll tell you in a minute um, why we chose this book or why I chose this book and what I hope that we can get out of it. But let me explain a little bit about how this is going to work in the coming days. Um, in our previous devotions, I did a lot of high-level stuff and we covered about a chapter at a time. And we're going to do this a little bit differently with Revelation. We're actually going to treat it in chunks like we would even in a preaching series so that we can get a little more meat and a little more detail and nuance and discussion and application going. Uh, there's a couple of resources for you I want to point to you. The primary one is going to be this book by Scotty Smith and Michael Card, Unveiled Hope. Scotty um, used to be the pastor at Christ Community Church uh, in Nashville, or actually in Franklin, uh, Tennessee. He's uh, part of the PCA. He's kind of an elder statesman. Um, he is just a pastor to pastors. He just pastors hearts. But he wrote a book, Unveiled Hope, about 20 years ago. And he co-authored it with Michael Card, who's a Christian artist who I love as well, who wrote a companion CD to this. This, is, this book, I think, is out of print, um, but you should be able to get a copy on Amazon or somewhere else. And there's not like a one-to-one -one correlation with the book and how we're going to be walking through Genesis on... Uh, or sorry, Revelation on a day-to-day -day basis, but it's more meant to be a companion piece. It's very devotional, it's very big picture oriented, but it does tackle some sticky theological, exegetical issues. And so I wanna to totally commend that. That's gonna be our primary source that we can reference. The second, and this is a big boy, it's if you wanna jump into the deep end of the theological pool, uh, this is a commentary on the book of Revelation by G.K. Beale, B-E-A-L-E outstanding, excellent. Um, this will help inform our discussions as well. And look, there's no need to, to get this book. There's actually, I mean, you can roll with this without either of these books, but, but this is certainly for reference if you wanna go take even a deeper dive um, on things that we discuss. Um, there it is. So Beal and Scotty Smith. We're going to be here Monday through Fridays. We're going to be doing these 15 to 20 minute devotionals. I would anticipate we're going to be in this book probably throughout the coming fall. And before I tell you why I think this is relevant and why I chose it, let me pray for us and we'll dive in today. Heavenly Father, um, we want to remember that every syllable, jot and tittle of your word is relevant, it's applicable, and you have given us this book, Revelation, which is, let's admittedly, hard to understand, but Lord, would you pray, I pray that you would help us to see this book through the lens of Jesus Christ. It is fundamentally a book about him, and Lord, we want to see more of Jesus, know more of Jesus, experience more of Jesus in our lives this season so that we also can have hope, hope in 
what you're doing, hope in where we're going, hope in what you're accomplishing through your people. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen. I'm going to direct you to Revelation 1. I'm going to read the first three verses, and I'm going to use this as a jumping off point to talk about why this book and some important things for us to key in on as we, as we move forward. John says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Oftentimes, we turn to the book of Revelation with this sort of insatiable desire to figure out what the future looks like. And I think what John is signaling to us right at the front of these first three verses, this is less of a book about telling the future or anticipating what's going to happen or making a one-to-one -one correspondence um, to current events and what we find in Revelation. And it's more about who is this book concerning? Who is it pointing to? What is the, what is the heart of this book? And I believe he tells us in verse, in verse 1, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, it's Jesus Christ's revelation. It's an unveiling. It's a giving over um, of a vision, a story, a, a purpose that's centered on one singular person, and that's Jesus Christ. And so if we walk away from this book or this study not knowing, better understanding, seeing Jesus, then we've missed the entire point. This isn't necessarily the revelation of future events, although it ties into future events. It's not merely the revelation of, of what's happening in the world today, although it ties to what's happening in the world today. Fundamentally, Revelation is a book about Jesus Christ, and he is the starring character. He is the center of the story. Everything moves towards him, from him, is for him. And we're going to see this in chapter 1, that, that John spends this whole first chapter just holding up Jesus. Now, a couple things, um, and, and we're going to drop these little hermeneutical, exegetical uh, tips as we walk through this over the coming days and weeks. But that word revelation, that's the word that we get apocalypse or apocalypto. It means to reveal through symbols. Now that's important, okay, because there's a ton of symbols in Revelation, a ton of numbers. And part of our scientific, modern sorts of way of thinking and interpreting is to try to assign uh, specific events, details um, that we see happening in the world to um, specific numbers and signs and images that we see in Revelation. And I don't think that's how this uh, book is meant to be read. I don't think it's how apocalyptic literature is meant to be read. Um, apocalyptic literature is a genre of literature from the ancient world. We see Daniel uses it in, in, his, in his book. Um, it, was, it was very popular uh, before and after um, the, uh, the first coming of Christ, the ministry of Christ. It was used extensively. 
and it was a way, it was a means, it was a type of communication meant to convey in a poetic, creative, visual sort of way. Now, it's very foreign to us because we don't use apocalyptic um, literature as a genre much anymore, if at all. But maybe a corresponding thing to think about was if you took someone from the ancient Near East and you were to put them in front of a movie screen and you were to let them watch a sci-fi thriller, you could imagine how bizarre that would be for them. You could imagine they wouldn't even know how to begin to interpret that because they're not familiar with that, with the genre of, of movie or sci-fi. Same thing for us. We're not familiar with this. And so we, we have to remember that as we walk through it, that, that Revelation is less of a book of, of, you know, Dan Brown, the Da Vinci Code. And it is much more of a, think about walking through a museum and seeing paintings and seeing imagery and seeing um, uh, vivid colors. And not every single color means a very specific thing, but together it paints a portrait. And as we're gonna see, this is a portrait centered on Christ and what he has done, what he's doing, and of course, what he's going to do. Now, there, there, oftentimes there's two kind of feelings that we can have when we, when we engage in the book of Revelation. And, the, and, the, and, and, and one of those is what I would call sort of a tintillation, okay? Or, a, or an unhealthy preoccupation. My, my first exposure to the book of Revelation was back in the 70s. Hal Lindsey wrote a book called The Late Great Planet Earth. And that was a season which there was sort of an end, time, end times fever that has swept the evangelical church. And there was videos and books and charts and tracks and who's the Antichrist and is he walking around on the earth right now? Maybe your father's the Antichrist and you don't even know it. Maybe he's going to betray you by making you get the 666 mark, I don't know. But I remember reading these things and, and feeling sort of two, two things simultaneously. One, again, tintillating. I was like I was figuring out riddles. It was Encyclopedia Brown, Sherlock Holmes, and, and it was not really anything centered on the message of Revelation and the, and the person of Christ. It was more centered on how do I read the tea leaves and the fortune, fortune telling cookies to kind of discern what's happening in the world today. But the second was, I'll be honest, I went to bed at night oftentimes scared, um, scared to death, <laughs> put it that way, um, fearful and what's going to happen and the world is coming to an end and it could happen at any time and am I going to be raptured or not and all these sorts of things. And I think what's happened today is that while there's still those two camps of people, there's even a larger camp of people now who've kind of seen like, you know, this left behind series stuff, I mean, a lot of it just hasn't happened the way it was written and our common understandings. And so I'm just gonna sort of discard Revelation. I'm gonna put it to the side. It's not relevant, I don't understand it. I'll figure it out later, meaning in heaven. And I don't think that's a proper response either, right? Um, I believe that God wants us to recover this book for the modern day church because it is where true hope and true encouragement um, is found. But the way to get there, the way to understand what it's saying to us, is we have to remember what this is. Uh, that this was a letter, an apocalyptic letter, but a letter written to real churches, to real people in real time. And we're going to talk about those churches some in the coming days. We're going to talk about them a lot, actually. Um, but but this we're signaled this. Look back at the text for a second. It's that the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, 
okay, to show to his servants. So in other words, God has this revelation. He's giving this revelation to Jesus, and it's about Jesus, in order for him to give it to us, his servants. Now remember in that context, this is 2,000 years ago, that, um, that this is being given to the church through John. And verse 2 reminds us who this John is. This is none other than the Apostle John. He is the last living apostle. He was the youngest disciple when Jesus was on earth, probably. But here is John who bore witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. In other words, John was an eyewitness to the earthly ministry of Jesus. And now John is an eyewitness to Jesus Christ in his glory. And he tells us in verse 3, he says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. In other words, this letter was written by John. He was on the island of Patmos. We're going to get into some of those details later. But he was a prisoner for the gospel. And he was exiled to this island. He's an old dying man. And he's writing this letter, and it was meant to be carried to these seven churches in Asia Minor and read by them, read aloud. Most, a lot of people then couldn't, couldn't read, so it had to be read aloud to the congregation with the very clear understanding that these were words that were applicable to them. These were words that pertained to their current situation. And some, sometimes that's something we completely overlook in the book of Revelation. We want to go right to the juicy stuff or what's going to happen in the future, forgetting that we, we can't understand any of that if we don't understand what John is writing to these churches. These first few verses make it clear this prophecy, this revelation is for them. It's to be read. They're his servants. It's to be applied. Now, of course, it doesn't mean that this is not also for us because what is what does it say here? It says to write these words down, okay? Um, verse 3, to keep what is written in it. In other words, it wasn't just a revelation that John was going to give by oral tradition. It was a revelation given to John that he had, that he wrote down, and that was meant to be preserved for posterity for the church. And so... Um, we want to remember that. We want to we want to sink our teeth into it. That means we're going to look at the background of these seven churches in Asia Minor. What was going on in their context? How would they have understood it? How would they have read this letter? How would they have applied it to their current situation? We have to do that before we can understand what it means for us. But if you want to have one takeaway today, just remember this is a book about Jesus. And he is the hero of the story. He's the center of the action and all of this comes together is fulfilled in him i i think it's pretty amazing providential that we're back in genesis right now as a church family on sunday mornings and think about it genesis and revelation very apropos genesis opens by this idea of god building his kingdom establishing his earth commissioning his vice regents adam and eve to live a life of worship and sacrifice to him but of course, the world is plunged into sin and chaos. And what we find in Genesis 3.15 is the promise that God, 
through the seed, which is Jesus, is going to redeem the world, is going to save his people, is going to rebuild his kingdom. And Revelation is the story of that. Revelation points us to the ultimate fulfillment of Genesis 3.15, of the establishment of the new heavens and the new earth with God's new people. And that's why I think this is going to be a great book for us. So I encourage you to read ahead. Uh, we're going to look at verses 4 through 8 tomorrow, 9 through 17, the day after, and so on and so forth. Get your book, um, order it up. If you can't have it, I bet, I'm sure you could find a PDF of it online. Um, they're sort of all over the place, ubiquitous in the Christian world. So glad you're joining us. We'll be right back here, same time, same station, tomorrow. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, good to be back in your word. Good to be back with your people all studying your word together. And Lord, we think that you have something to tell us through your word. And pray, Father, that we would walk away from this study with a deeper, more intimate knowledge, understanding, and experience of your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right. Thanks for everybody who has joined us. Talk to you later. Bye.